You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined by Sean Bradford on the podcast today. And today, I really wanted to talk about just from some of our um, recent experiences this week. This is, you know, really, I guess, let me back up and say the, the reason for this podcast's existence is really for us to bring you guys, our listeners, on a journey of what it is actually like to do marketing. We're not just here to give you advice and tell you what to do and best practices and that kind of thing, but we're really all about giving you guys practical, experience and advice from people that are in the trenches doing this every day for crowdfunding campaigns. And um, so we had an experience this, well, really over the last month where um, we had a client that just had a, that ran into some really kind of uncommon issues and had to really pivot in their pre-launch marketing. Um, and so we wanted to talk about, so the topic uh, for the episode today is how do you pivot when you run into unforeseen issues in marketing? Um, right, Sean? I mean, this is uh, something that I think will probably be really valuable for everybody. Um, and we'll try not to reveal who our client was or anything like that. Yeah. I think long-term listeners will recognize that we often throw out numbers such as generally you can assume a 10% conversion rate of your, your email list to when when you crowdfund generally you can expect a 2% click through rate on your ads if they're optimized generally you can expect you know a 5 to 15 dollar cost per 1000 impressions for your facebook ads and th- there's these numbers we throw around and we, we often say you need about 2 months before you launch mm-hmm. and all of these are generalities all of these are based on averages and i think some of the mm-hmm. problems that we're going to uncover is when people assume that they are going to hit those <laughs> Mm-hmm. most definitely well they're gonna hit them straight away and i, I suppose the, the the reason why we want to cover this topic is we want to really make sure that you're leaving yourself as much leg room as possible and that you're not assuming that you are going to hit the ground running that you're going to have no problems there's certain things that you need to make sure that that there's certain things you need to be aware of that could really impact your campaign if you aren't aware, aware of them yeah. So these are some of the um, things we're going to dive into. Yeah. And so maybe first before we do that, we we we're going to talk about the problems that are commonplace, how do you how you can prepare and avoid them and that sort of thing. But let's talk about benchmarks and and averages and standards because this is something that we find we've run almost 150 Kickstarter campaigns. It feels like we run one Kickstarter for every podcast we release or something at, at this point is about how much it's been. This is episode 149 and we've run, you know, plus or minus 10 and maybe, maybe 150, 160 Kickstarter or game found campaigns now. And um, we've had, uh, we've been very successful. Um, all of almost, well, put it this way, almost all of our campaigns that we run will fund the majority of them will vastly overfund and that's why we stay in business. And so we do uh, some things that are very um, tried and true. We, we have formulas, we have processes, we have systems that, that we standardize that really, really help our clients um, 
whether they're in a, a situation of um, being a very first time creator or a veteran that is, has been to Kickstarter a bunch of times before, we have systems that work, that are proven to work. There are theories that have been proven many, many times, um, but they're not laws, right? You know, the, the law of gravity is really more like the theory of gravity because uh, we can't prove it. Um, it's anyway, I, I'm a, I'm a science nerd too. So, um, <clears throat> how, so the, the, let's talk about the, the, the formulas, the standards and, um, assumptions that we would make. So we, in order for, it's really for us to know if our marketing is s- successful in this area, that area or the other, uh, for example, when we build a landing page, we expect 10% of the people that go there to convert. If we send 10, you know, uh, 10 people from Facebook ads, we expect that at least one for every 10 is going to sign up for your email list. And the reason um, that it's at least 10% is because, you know, the game looks interesting. We're targeting the right people and all of this other stuff. So we know that if it's not 10%, that there's a problem either. We're using the wrong message. We're talking to the wrong audience or the landing page is not up to par, let's say. Um, and then it, honestly, in limited cases, maybe, you know, the game is, is not up to par, but I, we usually, uh, turn down clients that are truly not ready. We do not want to market. And I, you know, I, I say this like, you know, with, uh, with some reservations because, we don't like to assume that people's games are not good enough. Um, I, I like to rely on the belief of my clients, but there are many cases when people pitch us with, uh, for, for projects that we know that this is clearly not ready. You know, it's just, it's just not ready. Or not um, suitable for Kickstarter or Kickstarter audience. So it could be a, right. you know, a, a very light party game with. Mm-hmm. Very mediocre, very mediocre arts. It's not going to probably do too well. It's when you kind of copying something else anyway. Yeah, and then you yeah. factor in our our service fees. It's not going to be very profitable for them, if if not profitable at all. So it doesn't even make sense to hire a marketing team for a project of yeah. that capacity. So the things like that, we we keep in mind with our clients. Right. So we're not exactly cherry picking, but um, we're not. You know, we're not going to let somebody waste money either. You know, we have to kind of. That's one of our requirements. So we do kind of gatekeep in that way to uh, prevent people from making mistakes. You know, we want our clients to come back and use this a second time and a third time. And it doesn't go very well if people are out there saying, you know, crowdfunding nerds wasted my took, took money, my money. <laughs> and I got no results, you know? Um, so anyway, so that's some of the standards um, on that side. Now on the other side, we've got uh, dominantly we run Facebook ads for clients because that's how we can target people that are interested in Kickstarter and board games. And that is extremely relevant. Um, it's also a market that is used to being advertised to for Kickstarter. And so they, they, they tend not to immediately reject ads that are for board games um, because they, you know, or, or whatever, because they, they're actually looking for that type of content. And so we look for um, our, our goal is 20 cents per click or better. Our goal is 2% of the people that see the ad should click on it or better. Um, you know, so like two to 5%. Um, and, um, what other, what other important metrics, Sean? I mean, that's, 
those are like some of the biggest ones. I mean, we yeah, have others. Cost per click around 20 cents. Mm-hmm. And then a CPM that ranges between five and fifteen dollars is generally typical. If it's it's if it's above fifteen dollars, you you could be mm-hmm. hitting a ceiling in terms of uh, it's a very narrow niche audience. Otherwise, your ads are not being well received, and Facebook mm-hmm. is penalizing you by giving yeah. you a crazy CPM. Yeah, so CPM is is cost per milli or cost per one thousand impressions. So per one thousand people that see the ad, how many people? Um, you know, like what, what did you pay? You know, you're only paying per, um, basically how how often Facebook, how much Facebook charges you to get your ad on a screen a thousand times. So it could be seen five times by one person. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's why there's a difference between reach and impressions. Reach would be individual accounts or individual people whilst impressions is just basically the amount of times your ads displayed Mm -hmm. on screen. Yeah. The number of times an eyeball of a human takes in your, in your ad. Um, so that, yeah, so that's, um, a little bit more of a, a technical thing. If your, if your CPM is high, it could be that a lot of people are advertising into that, into that audience. Maybe, you know, as, as Christmas approaches, you're Mm going to have a lot of people selling board games, selling consumable products. Um, and so the cost to, uh, run Facebook ads is going to be higher, um, when more people are, are, are there. Um, you know, you've got like right now where, as we're recording this, it's in, we're in October. This is like the last full month before you get, um, you know, like black Friday and the Christmas shopping season and everything. And so you've got a lot of people launching right now and running ads, um, to, you know, for Kickstarter in particular. And so that's, um, that's something that's caught, that's kind of driving up that happens like every March, every October, because they're very popular months to launch, to launch ads. March is like, everybody's gotten their tax refund is kind of recovered from Christmas time and the debt they incurred there. And, um, they have this money and they're like ready to blow it because that's what, um, you know, that's what people do. They just spend on stuff. And so March is when people are much more likely to spend. And that's when, you know, March, April is when you have a lot of really large Kickstarters hit. Um, and, uh, so anyway, the, uh, so these are, are kind of, uh, general benchmarks. So we have a calculator that talks to, that, you know, that it's very helpful. It's on our website. It's crowdfundingers.com slash calculator, whatever you can look at. You can look at, um, go to our website, crowdfundingers.com, hit the calculator button. It's one of our menu links and it'll take you there. And, um, you'll be able to figure out how many how many backers you need, how many emails you need at what conversion rates and, and all of that. And it's very helpful. But well, I think um, we, covering that calculator, I think it's important to mention as well, that's all speculative. I think people can right. hold those numbers. They can hold them up to a high degree. That was really designed to help you make important decisions on ad spend. It wasn't necessarily to guarantee a certain outcome. And I think mm-hmm. one of the issues that we're going to run into is that I think a lot of, a, lot, a, a dangerous assumption that Kickstarter creators need to be aware of is that you can't just throw the kitchen sink at a project and get results. Mm-hmm. There's so many different elements of your campaign that all work in tandem to produce mm-hmm. a certain result. So if you're relying on one pillar or one ad facet of your campaign, like Facebook ads, Mm-hmm. The, the Facebook ads have to work. If they don't work, the campaign's not not going to be successful. Well, then you're already starting off on a bad foot. 
because really the, the, the Facebook ads and the marketing is designed to supplement all mm-hmm. the other areas, like your, your email marketing, your organic marketing, mm-hmm. your ability to leverage your community to tell their network of, of people. All these things work together and snowball to lead up to your mm-hmm. crowdfunding campaign. So if you're using that calcula- calculator and like, okay, I can only, I can only, I'm only going to get leads through Facebook marketing, no influencer marketing, nothing else. Uh, and it has to work. I have to reach these numbers. That's a really bad position to be in when looking, using that tool, but also preparing for your, your crowdfunding campaign. If that is the position you're in, you need to give yourself, as we said, more legroom and more mm-hmm. leniency to get leads in other areas and in other ways, which honestly right. don't cost money. I think trying to find out clever ways of how can you spread the word without paying money? Because some of your best leads will probably come organically from friends mm-hmm. telling other friends making super fans and this is it's more of a, a long-term strategy rather than i've got two months to hit these numbers and if i don't hit these numbers i'm going to fail um and i need to put more money into the ads because one thing you'll notice with facebook ads as well the more time you give them it, the easier it is to hit these benchmarks the mm-hmm. more money you try to spend at a faster faster amount of time the more expensive they they generally will be so mm-hmm. you sort of want if you want to want to make things as cost effective as possible. You really need to give yourself as much time as possible to build these up. But Andrew, we've talked about this in the past, just hitting that sweet spot, right? Because you don't want to give yourself too much time where people who join, you know, six months ago, forget who you are. (laughs) But then you also don't want to give yourself not enough time where it's like, oh oh goodness, I I haven't given myself enough time to build a meaningful community that can actually bring something to to actually fund. So there is a balance to be had, had here, but there is, that, that is important to keep in mind. There's all these different facets that need to be kept mm-hmm. in the, the mirror. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. And so there was this this you know we we've been talking about making assumptions. And so whenever we get a client, it, it, they tend generally to be in one of two places. Either they have they are a uh, we'll say I'll use the term first time creator. That may not necessarily be the case with all of these the clients that fall in this category, but they have their baby that they've been working on. I, I think, uh, for example, about Adam's Apple games uh, with Planet Unknown. They had done a couple of games before this, but Planet Unknown, this was a couple of years ago, was their their the, their baby they've been working on a long time. And they're like, all right, now that I got those Kickstarters done, this is the one that's going to make my company. And this is the one that I got into the industry to make, you know, and... um. So a lot of the time it's that game where before they maybe have gone to Kickstarter by themselves and they've relied on Kickstarter's organic reach and maybe friends and family to bring their projects to life. But this one is the one that they're finally ready and they've got a budget for marketing and they're ready to actually put like some serious um, effort in and they need a marketing agency like us. Though That's one um a common type of client that we get. Another type of client that we get would be uh, very well established companies. Um, you know, like for example, Modifius Entertainment. They they're a large company that has produced a lot of really great products, and they go to Kickstarter with an intellectual property, and they have. So the 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 difference is, with a company like this is that they have a, a schedule to keep. They can't, you know, like if something goes wrong, they can't delay this game a month or two months or three months because they have a content calendar and they have another project that's going to that that's going to get impacted or maybe 20 other projects that get impacted and so they would actually rather 
launch the the project at you know at the uh, at the particular launch date even if uh you know we, we'll talk about how to avoid problems or how to prepare and that kind of thing so these types of clients they really um need they 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 would be better off if they launched the campaign and got an average result than um than delaying the campaign for a better result because these people have or these companies uh getting impact you know the next 10 projects or five projects or two projects getting impacted would cost them more in the long run and so that's that's the other type of client and and there are different types of challenges um one thing for example if we if we run into an issue with with facebook ads and instead of getting a thousand email leads or or two thousand email leads they got half that amount um that is not a huge problem with the established companies because they already have an email list of five to 50 to a hundred thousand people. And so the work that we're doing is meant to supplement their existing marketing and they're generally going to be okay. Now the other group is, uh, you know, with their baby, it's like the, the, they have no other projects that matter. This is the project that matters. They, would be much more comfortable just simply delaying the the game because hey you know if I if I, yeah it's October mm-hmm. I really wanted to launch before uh, Black Friday happens and all of that but okay I understand we're running into some problems with our with our marketing then uh, we're just gonna relaunch in in or we're just gonna launch in February and we'll solve those problems we'll give ourselves the time to kind of retool and fix it or whatever um, that would be a more likely move from the uh, the the former client. Now, um, I, I give you all that background to share that we had a client that came in that was launching their first product, but had a ton of experience in the industry. And so what they um what they they had a, a content calendar and everything like that, but they did not have an email list or a customer base to uh to rely on in case anything went wrong. Like they they really put all their eggs in one basket in in a way, and we're like, hey, we need to we need to um, you know run as you know we need to we need to be successful in this in this marketing effort, and the pro well we, and we ran into a couple of problems that weren't exactly commonplace. This was mm-hmm. a creator that was really an expert and a veteran in in the industry, and we ran into problems that were really that that. I think I've run into maybe once in 150 campaigns or, or more um, zero times in, in, in some ways uh, with this particular um, client. And so we, we really felt like this particular topic would be of great value to everybody <laughs> kind of li- at, that listens to the podcast because we had an outlier that happened this week that I think would um, w- is, is a really great case study. And um, you know, we found, uh, to, you know, to kind of tell the end from the beginning, we found a very positive resolution and, um, you know, we pivoted and, and that kind of thing. So let's, let's talk about how can you prepare to avoid these problems? Um, and then well, is, how do you what, go through problems? What, one assumption that you can't make is that setting up your Facebook account is going to be straightforward. So you have to give yourself as much time as possible to set that up. Be we have had some clients who've been able to get everything up, but as soon as they try to add their payment details, 
for whatever reason, Facebook doesn't accept their payment details. And one particular client uh, took about two months to get their ad account up and running because they eventually had to use a partner's account that we could jump into. Because our, our process, we we like to allow our clients to create their own accounts so that they own the ads and that they can pick them up themselves if they want to or get another agency in. Mm-hmm. You can then you know continue where we left off. We don't like to hold people um, mm-hmm. to the fire, so to speak. Um, so yeah. that's a As system a we have. Principle. We, you need yeah. to own your stuff. Like you don't yeah. want us to own your property. <laughs> Which right. means that it, it, there's a little bit of work that you have to do in order to set things up, make sure you have an, a business ad account, make sure that you have a page, make sure that you have a payment process make sure that Instagram is connected to this account so that you can run ads on Instagram. All of those things can have problems. If, mm-hmm. if you're logging in from different locations, Facebook can say, hey, this is a bit suspicious. There's a new account from a new location. It's just going to automatically ban your account. So we've had that happen. So all of these, you got to be super or, careful. Or maybe just, used an email that's like from 18 years ago when you were in high school and you don't have <laughs> access to it anymore. And Facebook's like, yeah, no problem. Let me just send a verification to the, the email account on file. And it's like, oh, shoot, I don't have the Starboss at AOL.com anymore. I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So things like that can can happen. Uh, issues with hosting, if you're building a landing page, uh, issues with pixels, there's, there's so many issues that, that can happen. So giving yourself as much time as possible to set things up, I think is really going to set you up for success. If you're like, if you're thinking, I've got two months uh, to run ads and I'm only giving myself a week to set, to set things up, then again, you're probably going to land up pushing that setup time into the time you want your ads running. And you can make up for that by increasing your ad spend and you can sort of make up for some time. It's not a good place to be in, not, not a great place to start mm-hmm. off. And because one thing is scaling Facebook ads isn't as straightforward as, oh, we'll just throw more money at this. It's going to scale perfectly. It it can be hit and miss because especially when systems are learning, your projects learn and, and adapt mm-hmm. to what inputs you're having. So you kind of want to scale with results. If you're not getting results, there's much use in, in scaling just yet. Right. So you kind of need more time in the beginning. Once things are working, you can scale. It's much easier to scale. But in the beginning in particular, it takes a lot more time to, to start hitting those benchmarks. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to quickly mention as well, Andrew, is people need to understand is that your cost per lead can vary greatly throughout the campaign. You could one day you could look at your ads and you're getting leads for 70 cents. Like this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you come back the next day, exact same ads, exact, exact same setup, and you're it's costing you three dollars and seventy cents. It's like, what's happening? And this is just how Facebook operates. It, it can one day to the next, right? Yeah. It, so you have to give get enough time, three to four days, so mm-hmm. you can get an average, and then you can make a decision. Okay, is this working? Right. Uh, not not making knee jerk decisions, and I think some people or, in their or even enthusiasm. At, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Finish, finish this. Yes, some people in their enthusiasm will look at that seventy cents, be like, "It's working. Scale. What are you doing? Stop wasting my time." And then you know that. Well, no, it's not because yesterday you got it for four dollars a lead, and I'm 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 still a bit apprehensive to scale it until we get some something that's steady and, and consistent. Mm-hmm. So things like that, you need to keep in mind that you you can't really have this knee jerk reaction with Facebook ad. There is a bit of a long game you have to play and you, you need to use averages to make informed decisions. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that um, the, I, I look, I liken it to reviewers and, and that kind of thing. You've got to, you, you, you have, when you decide to launch for Kickstarter, in my opinion, it's, it's absolute best practice to start your marketing like 90 days before and graphic design and everything like that. When you're like, all right, we are now ready for Kickstarter. 
if you press the button of like, we're counting down the days to Kickstarter, that is a 90 day timer. And what you do in that, in that very initial month is you start reaching out to reviewers and, and that kind of thing among, among other things. If you waited until the final 30 days, if you'd like, all right, we're launching on Kickstarter. You know what? We're going to Kickstarter in 30 days from now. And uh, then you start pitching reviewers. You're going to get a lot of people that tell you, I don't have enough time. I don't mm-hmm. have enough time to get you uh, a video. And, um, th- you know, I can't guarantee anything. And, and it's it, it's a mistake. It's an easily preventable mistake. Um, you know, you should pitch reviewers with plenty of time. And the same is true when you're setting up your ads and, and that kind of thing. Best practices with ads are that you should be um, running ads like two months before you launch your Kickstarter at the shortest the shortest possible time frame that I would advise anybody to run ads was six weeks, um, regardless of if you're small or big or whatever. You should you should run ads at, for at least six weeks before a, a Kickstarter game found whatever launch, um, up to um, uh, three months. And I th- I think that that's for me kind of standard. I plan when I go back to Kickstarter for Deliverance um, to run ads for three months um, because, as you said, you know it just makes more sense to use time and leverage the amount of money that I have to run ads. If I do that over a longer period of time, I'm going to get more leads for less or for the, for the same amount of money, rather than if I put that same amount into only two months or only six weeks, you're going to get better results if you spread it over a longer period of time. So uh, why am I saying all this? Um, The, uh, the reason is because you, you, you need to have your ad account set up before that. There comes this time of uh, setup where it's like, all right, we're ready to go to Kickstarter. Well, if you don't have an ads account that exists, you are not ready to go to Kickstarter. You are not ready to press that button yet. You're not ready to start the clock. Um, a lot again, you know, it's mainly first-time clients that have this issue where you don't have an account. There are a million things that could happen to you when you create the account. You could get banned because Facebook thinks that you're hacking or or gonna sell something that's unscrupulous or there's odd behavior coming from your account, they could decide that you have um, a limitation on your account and you're mm. only allowed to spend $50 a day and not scale any higher. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's common for new accounts to have spend limits and this can be anything from $20 a day to $50 a day, but you, you cannot spend more than that amount. And the reason is, is because your ad account's new and Facebook doesn't trust you. And they don't want they don't want, they don't want someone stealing a credit card, creating an ad account, and then you know spending thousands of yeah. dollars in ad spend. So they they incrementally allow you to spend more and more. So this is why it's important to get in early, start running ads, and lift have those limitations lifted. You also notice when you create a new app Facebook ad account, you'll be invoiced for every five dollars you spend. <laughs> you get all these invoices <laughs> from Facebook. It's super annoying. It's because they want to test to make sure that your your ad, they're not going to get into a bunch mm-hmm. of debt, and then like they go to try charge the card, and suddenly you're not paying. You, you're you've kind of run away, and Facebook is holding an empty bag. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. you will have lots of invoices as well. Just keep that in mind; you'll be spammed. But eventually, that lifts as well, and you'll stop being charged every ten dollars, mm-hmm. then fifty dollars, and then every you know five hundred dollars, whatever you spend. But that's something yep. to keep in mind because you might not be able to scale as quickly and as aggressively as you would hope if there's a limitation of ad spend on your account. Which you wouldn't know unless you 
launch your account and then start running it. It's um, not obvious because no. yeah, you, you can you can set the ads for a hundred dollars a day, but when you come back and say, okay, what how much was spent last day? It would be like forty nine point fifty six. You know, you never ever reach fifty, or you never go above fifty. There's uh, this right. kind of hidden uh, limitation mm-hmm. on your account, and the only way to remove it is it just kind of na- naturally lifts over time, mm-hmm. or you have to reach out to the billing department and contact the infamous. Facebook's support, <laughs> which is uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. They're going to tell you whatever the system tells you 9,000 times out of 9,001, they're going to tell you that um, the system is the, it, whatever the system says is go- what goes and it's not changeable. Um, so the machine it's, has it's, spoken. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you know, this kind of can work in your favor where if, let's say a hacker does steal your account and charges $5,000 in one day, your credit card, you can dispute that charge on your card and say, hackers stole my account information and whatever. Facebook will say, hey, mister, you owe us $5,000. And the fact that you didn't pay, you're, you're just kind of, your ad account is locked up until you, until you do. Um, this has happened to us for, uh, you know, in, in the past where, one of our, uh, actually a long time ago, uh, one of our clients got um, blocked or locked out of their account because it was stolen and our password information was stolen, you know, and, and we, by the time we got it back, they had spent like four or $5,000 in, in ad spend on just, you know, bad, like Nike shoes ads or something like that. And when they got it back, the bill was $5,000 and they disputed the charge their credit card, um, you know, basically said, Facebook, we're not letting you charge our, our, our customer. And Facebook was like, well, fine. Then the ad account is locked. And all we had to do was make a second ad account and it was fine. So we were able to, to start over. And so Facebook still has that original account locked and let that same user make another ad account. And the reason was because the ad account was in their, uh, in their business. So we could create a new, uh, business, uh, ad account and, it was and it was fine, um, but it got kind of scary for a little while. And I, I just think that you know you need to you need to kind of go in expecting the unexpected. And the best way to prevent um, failures when you encounter the unexpected is to have time, to mm-hmm. have time or expertise. Um, you know, expertise like a, a team like us can we can, we can help you. And time is what generally you're going to need. You don't want to be under the gun. Like, Oh no, I only have four weeks until my Kickstarter launches. When you encounter these types of problems, you know, that is when you really need to start um, pivoting, which is probably the next thing that we need to talk about. Like when, so when you, when you run into a problem and you can't just like hurdle over it, but you need to find a different direction to, to, to go, you need to change, you need to pivot is is the the concept that you need to change directions and find a new path forward because you have been blocked in the original path this is going to happen to you i promise you if you market <laughs> long enough if you are in business long enough you're going to run into brick walls that you can't climb over um that you need to get around and sometimes it could be like a gigantic chasm that you need to travel 20 miles north and then find a scary rope bridge um and and get across it uh but it's going to happen to you. You're going to need to to pivot and to change. Um, and one, one thing you, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> in terms of pivoting is that launch date. 
Some people, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they get a certain date in their mind and they just lock on that date and it's concrete and it cannot move. And some reasons why it can't move is because they've told everybody they're launching on this date Mm -hmm. and probably too early. And they've got all these influences lined up. They went to all these conventions. We've had clients who's like, oh, I went to Spiel and I told everyone I was launching on this date. I can't change it now because I, mm-hmm. you know, a huge part of my marketing initiative is telling people I'm launching on this date. That's it's kind of foolish. Mm-hmm. Tell them to join your email list and that you'll let them know closer to the time mm-hmm. when you're launching. Or say, I'm launching sometime, you know, in November. Don't give them a, a fixed date. Or say, oh yeah, our planned launch date is this date. But don't ever hold yourself because... yeah then you can't pivot and mm-hmm. well, pivoting is going to be a lot, lot harder. So mm-hmm. that's, that's something where people can instantly just make a mistake by really cementing their launch date and not allowing them, allowing them, allowing themselves mm-hmm. to be able mm-hmm. to be flexible with launch date. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's say somebody has a Christmas themed game and they really want to make sure that everybody gets to see the game during the Christmas season. Well, I mean, if there's something that's going wrong and you intended to launch on, December 1st. I mean, is, is it really a problem to launch on the 7th or is, or, or the, you know, the 12th or whatever? I mean, it's, is it a, is it going to break your campaign to move your launch date? And the answer should always be no, it, it, it shouldn't, unless, you know, given that now this is for the first time creator that, that, you know, the type of customer, which has their, like a really big project it's where it's not going to traumatically affect the rest of their business. But when it will traumatically affect the rest of the business and the launch date is inflexible, um, there are contingency plans that you've got, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to be like, well, I guess we're going to launch with no email list. I mean, like I had mentioned previously, you have an email list, you have social communities, you have other avenues of marketing that you can still work on. If, let's say Facebook ads, if you get a brick wall that you have to figure a way around with Facebook ads. And it, it, if you have a team like us, we can help you pivot. We can run ads. I mean, we've in, in some cases, I hate doing this, but you know, we've run ads on our own account um, and we paid the ad spend and, and invoiced our clients for the ad spend. Um, we've uh, had clients use companies like Jellop, which um, run ads in their own account. We've had clients use others that, uh, or, or like backer kit, um, you know, to run ads and that's done entirely in their own account and they invoice you for on a commission basis and, and invoice you for the ad spend. But, um, in general, if you're a more seasoned, uh, client with a, an email list and an, a hardcore audience that is excited about whatever it is that you make, it's going to be a lot easier it's going to be a lot less damaging, you know, when you run into a, a problem with Facebook ads than, um, you know, b- because you've got a lot of other resources. And I think that even first time creators should develop those resources too. Like you, you should have a following on Facebook. You should have a discord server. You should have an email list that you built organically. You should have people that you met in person at conventions that joined your email list or that, um, you know, that are following on your various social communities, you should have some version of that. Yeah. Maybe it's not going to be, um, you know, like Stonemire games, uh, 50,000 people in a group or Gloomhaven at a hundred and hundred thousand people in a Facebook group and, uh, or whatever, like the dice throne discord, um, for Roxley, which is just uh banging, 
that is uh but you need a tiny microscopic version of that you know so um these are things that that will help you um you know really as contingency plans and they they will um uh help you kind of avoid those problems or prepare to deal with those problems so um there are two other things I really wanted to talk about, like kind of my advice, but anything you have to say on this one, Sean? No, I was just about to say that in terms of solutions to this and general principles, what what kind of approach do you think people should have when encountering problems? Uh, yes. know, should they pull their hair out? <laughs> should they, uh, should they yell at give us? Up? Um, yeah, what, what, what's the kind of best course of action yeah. when things don't go as expected or as planned? Yeah. So the first thing is, uh, don't lose your mind. Um, my advice is to focus on tasks, be task oriented. Don't focus on what's going wrong. Don't focus on what you, what is out of your control right now, even in the moment, even if you can get in control of that thing in a week or whatever, focus on what you can do right now to move the ball forward, find a way to adapt and keep your team motivated by having them focus on tasks. Don't have them focus on what's going wrong. If you are, are, you are the leader of your company, of your team, and if, you are, um, if you're focusing on what's going wrong and you're beside yourself unable to lead, you know, like you saw a ghost or something and you're, you, know, you think your team is going to pull the, the slack for you, um, I mean, on, on pirate ships, that's when the mutiny would happen. And the first mate would now be the, be the captain, right? But, you know, that's obviously can't happen in, in, in business, at least not, not at, not at this level. But, um, you need to have a, uh, you need to focus your team. You know, I, I actually think about, um, I have a, a business, uh, contact who ran Amazon. Actually, I have two weird, weirdly enough. I have one guy that I trained jujitsu with and he's a black belt in Brazilian jujitsu. And he works at Amazon as a business coach. When Amazon owns lots and lots of businesses, lots of like, or they or they work with um, shipping partners, you know, like t- everywhere. And so, whenever Amazon acquires an interest in or forms a partnership with a, another shipping provider or uh, purchases a company, um, they always send in business coaches and help them be, you know, kind of streamline and be better. Um, now I had one, one of my business contacts that started a, uh, a very big business bookkeeping firm, like a very, a big business accounting firm. He used to work at like the highest levels of that organization. He would always come in. He was like the ringer that they would bring in to turn companies around. And he did this over 300 times. And, um, you know, when a company was failing, Amazon would buy them and, um, he would come in and help them turn around. Every single case except for one, and this is about 300 different cases, he fired the CEO. The reason that the business was going down boils down to that CEO um, was not, was ineffective. Uh, they did not fi- they did not find a way through problems. They did not find a way to pivot. They did not find a way to adapt. They did not find a way to motivate their team. And that's you. You're the CEO, and you know, nobody can fire you, but you can find your team, um, you know, unmotivated. You can, you can find, you know, even, even like your third party 
uh, graphic designers, marketing partners, and, and that kind of thing, you are a very important catalyst in how hard they work for you. And so you need to get them focused on tasks at hand, give them deadlines, focus on tasks and be reasonable and, um, and help them, you know, just kind of empower them to do what it is that you've entrusted them to do for you. Um, you know, and I think that that can only happen with, uh, by being positive and having self-control because there's no doubt that you're going to want to scream and rip your hair out and, and, uh, you know, put your hole through a wall, like Andy from the office, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but that's, uh, that's to be expected in, in business. You can't like, nothing is going to go perfect all the time, right. Or not everything is going to go perfect all the time. Um, what do you think, Sean? Yeah. And I think those are, are wise words. And in, in terms of motivating teams, I think you got to be careful as well, because you might mean well, but you could, you could be interpreted as maybe sleazy or strange, you know, if it could come across as a bribe, you know, I think you got to be careful of things like that. Oh, if you work really hard, I've got this trinket over here. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's, it's, if people, if you've formed good relationships with people, good working relationships, people want you to succeed and that should be the motivation in and of itself. Um, if you're paying them well to begin with, there shouldn't need to be some extra perk that you, you give them. That's, that's what I think anyway. So just be careful with those types of incentives. We, we have had people in the past who are like, Oh, we've got, you know, lots of connections in the industry. And if you do a really good job on this, well, we'll, you, we'll tell all our friends about you. We'll unlock the key. Yeah. And it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. it's almost like a toddler with a, some keys that they jangle in front of you. Um, yeah. That always rubs me the wrong way. Cause I, I feel that, well, you should tell people about us anyway, because we've done a good job for you. <laughs> um, or uh, why wouldn't I work hard? Um, why do you assume I'm, I'm not giving you my best? Um, so just be yeah. careful with things like that. Yeah. And I think, I think that it's, it's a very, so the, the, uh, I'll refer to an episode, which is the four and a half possible outcomes of Kickstarter. I think that's one of our most important episodes that we've ever recorded for, for this particular topic. And um, they are really focused on preparing for every possible outcome uh, for preparing Okay, so yep, crowdfundingers.com slash episode five. It may not even be on uh, podcast networks because they tend, I think most of them picked us up around episode 25 or something, I don't know. But um, it's it's super duper important to plan for, um, to have plans for when things don't go your way. So I, I have plans, for example, with Deliverance. I want to take it back to Kickstarter and make a million dollars or more. And that's my goal. But if it doesn't happen, um, does that mean that my company will now will fail and in, into obscurity? No, it means that our plans are going to change, um, that I'm going to be uh, successful in some other way because I'm going to work hard and, and everything like that. But hey, the our, our best laid plans, uh, they're not perfect and they don't take uh, into account unknown market conditions and other other elements like that, right? And so- um, it's, it's just, you know, you, you plan the best you can and you, you adapt if there are, you know, um, changes, you know, I, I mean, uh, so I guess, I guess I don't really need to, to jump too far down that rabbit hole. Go, go listen to episode five. If, if, uh, you want to get a, a masterclass on, on that, 
um, super relevant for today. Um, and in, in the end, I think that, you know, your backers, your vendors, and just your, yourself and your own sanity, you are in control of a lot of that. Um, if you demonstrate that you have a firm hand on the wheel of the, of the car or whatever, I don't know, the cruise ship, whatever, whatever it is that you're driving, um, to the passengers, which are all of your vendors, all of your backers, all of your, you know, your team members, that is the most valuable thing because it's not, do you fail or do you succeed? It's, it's really a matter of like, what, uh, what is my perception of you as a, let's say as a backer, as, as your audience that is going to pay money for your thing. I'm going to want to know, um, are you capable of running a business like this or are you coming apart at the seams because you didn't make as much money as you wanted or, um, or, you know, all of that, like, that's going to make me really, um, concerned that you have the ability to deliver at all, or maybe you have the ability to make a good game. Or, or that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm casting my lot in with you right now because I, I'm, I'm kind of wagering money on you because I really want the thing that you're talking about. But if I don't think you can actually deliver, then I would probably, I would rather pull the plug at this point. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, decent sized companies fail uh, lately and, you know, many, uh, several of them. And it's, uh, I don't want to be one of those people that are, caught holding the the empty bag at the end of the day uh having given hundreds of dollars to uh to a publisher that was unable to deliver um i think that your uh behavior what you say how consistent you are with your communication all of that matters so much to people in uh this situation so um i don't know if you have any final thoughts sean but that's i feel like that's probably what i would want to leave everybody with um at least from my advice. Nothing was good wrap up. All right. Well then, um, I guess we, uh, are therefore done with this podcast topic for now, but if you guys want to talk about it, uh, further jump in our crowdfunding nerds community and, um, and we'll, you know, we'll have a discussion there. Um, until, until next time, let's have a robot. Richard send us on out. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. And if you have a crowdfunding question, we also have a page on our site where you can send a message directly to us. Please visit crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash question. And if your question is a great question, we may include it in a future podcast. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.